listening to the Legendary Wrestling Obsession Podcast with your hosts, Corey Draper and Jeff Hughes. What a bastard! Didn't know what happened to him there. My word, Anderson can't believe that he's beside himself with anger. And Tully Blanchard is beside himself almost unconscious. Good down-home cheating. Good down-home good down cheating. Sure. Wrestling, bringing you great wrestling action, sanctioned by the NWA, National Wrestling Alliance. Hi, once again, everybody. I'm Tony Schiavone, and welcome to World Championship Wrestling. And you're ringside with the NWA, the National Wrestling Alliance, the Major League of Professional Wrestling. Welcome back to another week of the Legendary Wrestling Obsession Podcast. I'm Corey Draper here with Jeff Hughes. Yes, I'm still here, but there's less Corey Draper every week. The man is disappearing. <laughs> he is on his way to a healthy new dad bod. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's doing a good job. Yeah, people that know me know that I'm good at, uh, I'm very good at losing weight and I'm very, very good at gaining weight. <laughs> ah, well, anyway, so, so here we the, are. We're on the losing weight side. That's right. There's snow outside because we're in Winnipeg, but it, it, it falls and it melts. That's right. And yeah. there's this tricky cycle of uh, ice and, and, and then it's great. And um, yeah, we don't get enough autumn up here, I'm afraid. It's cut right. short. A little short season. Done like that. But we're also, um, if, if you saw the Spinal Tap movie where they're uh, a puppet show and Spinal Tap. <laughs> and then, then the lead singer, you know, they've lost guitar player and they're like, we're going to, we're entering a new phase. <laughs> and they start doing some jazz and stuff. So we're going to uh, bring you a, a less structured, a little more free flow of an episode this week, a little less of the rigid left, right, left. It's going to get even better. <laughs> and what Jeff maybe is also referring to is it probably be a bit of a shorter episode. So we were getting ready to, we're here for the Great American Bash 1986 tour. And we knew that we wanted to get back to this topic, this material, uh, because we enjoyed it so much. And just to bring that flavor, mix it in. And the July 25th is the next really big card of that Great American Bash tour that we can really break down. And the idea would be to, you know, run a show here to kind of cover everything that happened between the last time we talked about the NWA, which was, you know, several weeks ago, we did the July 5th Great American Bash card, and that great Ricky Morton and Ric Flair feud, had a lot of fun with Magnum and Dusty and Baby Doll versus the Midnight Express and Jim Cornette, all that good stuff. But one of the first things that I ran into as I was preparing for this material was there's just this incredible World Championship Wrestling syndicated episode on that aired on July 12th was actually recorded on July 6th, the day after our Ricky Morton cage match. So it's kind of neat. It's all tied together. And we just really wanted to focus on that episode because there's a lot of really good stuff on it. And if nothing else, we're busy and I just didn't have time to prepare everything. <laughs> That's right. Me, I, I am uh, watching the paint dry. I've got a full-time job, uh, you know, counting the, you know, the, the grass grow. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get into the, uh, you know, the, the takedowns, the drop kicks of the NWA, uh, we'll take a moment to reflect on last week. So our Jake heavy, Jake centric episode of the uh, of 
the Saturday Night's Main Event that we released, our actual release of the Saturday Night's Main Event hasn't happened yet, as often as the case. We're recording before we've even released other material, but the most recent release as of this recording was the part two, the Jake material, really focused on Jake and his you know non-feud with Hogan and a great match with Savage, and turns out... They like us. They love us. <laughs> the numbers, you know, really show that, uh, you know, for whatever reason, we can't always determine that uh, a lot more listeners for that episode has, uh, you know, basically jumped up really quickly to our third most listened to ever episode. Very exciting. I hope it's not bots, disinformation. That's right. You know, trying to, you know, it's it's Hogan in the New World Order. <laughs> They're uh, playing with us. That's right. It's rent to cops. It's rent to bots. <laughs> we had four different guys on 10 different computers working we, 24 hours a day. To <laughs> we love it. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Give us that bot slam. <laughs> Give the bop bump. <laughs> That's right. And an interesting thing is through uh, you know some of the interactions online, we did come up with you know some new information, which was kind of cool. Like so, I just wanted to touch on that. So, gentleman going by the name of Henry Coleman on uh, the Facebook group that I was had posted about our show about, and he kind of stepped in to help clarify and correct something. So, when we were talking about the Hogan and Jake matches. We had started with the information that there was three matches, so two in Providence, one in Winnipeg. At some point, I'd gotten myself turned around, confused, and actually incorrectly corrected you. I was was faithful and true, Sir Galahad, I knew. Well, I had, I, yeah. Jeff didn't even notice that I corrected him. That's right. I was so cocksure. So I, at one point, thought there was only one Providence match, but he, uh, this gentleman, helped to point out that there for sure was two, and, you know, that the... The powder match that we really focused on, because that's the one we have a little bit of footage of, was from December 30th, and that actually ended in the Jake Countout. So in our show, we kind of said that that had ended in a Hogan pin, but it was that was the Countout. And then it was January 29th, so you go from December to January 9th, about a month later, they fought in Providence again, and that's where somehow, some way, Hogan pinned Jake there. So yeah. that kind of clarifies that. So okay. thanks to Henry, he he took a quick listen to uh, at least, I know, part of the show, because he was commenting on stuff on it. So hopefully he enjoyed hearing that, and you know, as somebody who got to go to a show, to have an opportunity to kind of relive it, talk about it again. It's always, always fun. So that was great. And then the other thing that we kind of got brought up was uh, I had released sort of a little meme of, uh, you know, what was Hercules' greatest win? Because I declared the Battle Royal as his, you know, biggest accomplishment. And and I would say number two on my list for him would be the SummerSlam 90 Power and Glory beatdown of the Rockers, which I, you know, I love that match because I just hated, I, I love cheering against the Rockers. I hated, hated the Rockers back then, you know, totally acknowledge their, you know, uh, um, how great they were really. Like, you know, they, they were always great matches, but I love seeing them lose. Well, you, funny you should say that. I think there was a point where I wasn't expecting much between the Hart family foundation and the rockers I, I don't know why i was like i knew i i'm with you i wasn't pro rocker yeah and at the time i don't know if i was feeling the heart foundation and it was like one of the greatest matches ever and i was yeah, like yeah. wow they really worked like very well together it was right super exciting I'm assuming you're talking about maybe the sarah's minute must have been or something like that yeah. anyway after that i was like well maybe i'm a little hard on the rockers like it was yeah i definitely i think match. it was I, remember, I said this to our friend ken we were in his his family basement using the satellite to watch the, I think it was the 91 Rumble and the Rockers, I believe it was probably a match against the Orient Express. You know, don't, don't uh, kill me if I'm wrong on all this, but uh, I think that was the matchup. And after the card was over, I, I said to Ken, I said, you know, I've been bitching about the Rockers for like, I don't know, a few years now. And it's like, the one thing I think about is like, 
every time like the best matches like they're pretty much in the best match on almost every card like you know they had like even like their match against Akeem and the big boss man was like it was great they lost but it was like really entertaining and it's right. like what's the one common denominator oh wait a minute it's the rockers yeah well apparently one time somebody made the mistake of saying in front of marty Janetti like sean michaels you're the next big thing and Janetti got so pissed off he actually you know started provoking a fight with uh, oh, wow. Shawn Michaels and they may have like drunkenly brawled oh yeah I've, I've heard stories about them fighting in their hotel room and then like starting to fight again later that day when they saw each other <laughs> and then having to like sort of like wake up with hangovers and be like okay did that really happen and you know trying to figure out a way to smooth it out so they could get back to being partners and stuff like that but it was funny I actually got to the point where like I hated Shawn Michaels I kind of liked Marty Janetti <laughs> but I was like but I didn't like Shawn Michaels yeah well there was that um promising feud but ended yeah pretty- they blew it i mean they brought it he came back later and there was some stuff but man they were it the, should have been should have uh, right away uh, like, and, and it could have been you know higher on the card yeah, and, and, and more even yeah yeah a real shame because yeah. it should have been a lot more exciting and longer than it, it seemed like they they just jobbed out Janetti. they just rushed through it yeah too bad i mean i understand that the, the long-term plan, yeah. fair enough. But, Rocket uh, ship attached to, yeah. to Shawn Michaels, for sure. You know, but uh, it did feel that Janetti uh, didn't get his, his proper due. Like, yeah. he was, you yeah, know. I mean, I think he probably just did a lot of this to himself, not reliable, and, you know, he's famously like probably, like, the biggest mess as far as, like, a partier goes and right. causing problems backstage from right. some of those things. So, um, and, I mean, I've heard people reading. I don't know if it's like he's doing a comedy version of himself online as a joke or if he really is the crazy things he says online or like real or not. He either understands how to get like, just he's just trying to get attention and he just thinks it's funny or he really is this crazy because there's mm. a lot of insane things that... <laughs> Party Marty. Yeah, that's right. As the OSW boys would say. <laughs> Party Marty. <laughs> so, yeah, so the input from uh, the... Her- it was yeah, yeah, we had a lot of replies back about the you know what was the top hercules match and the one that came up the most i would say that i'd actually forgotten about is hercules actually won a wrestlemania match which i'd totally forgotten about which is he he had a match against haku at wrestlemania 5 oh yeah like i remember it as soon as you say it like i remember the match i even remember the end it's uh it's a haku does the uh the back suplex into the pin but it's the double pin and Hercules ah. lifts his shoulder at the last second. So Haku right. pins himself. Okay. <laughs> but I mean like, so that, yeah, I kind of see, I'm like, okay, I, I, I do concede that a WrestleMania win is, should be your biggest win, but I'm also like the battle Royal and other things like this. And the, the, the power and glory match at SummerSlam, it's just burned into my brain. Whereas the WrestleMania five match, not so much. <laughs> Agreed. Blue trunk Hercules sucked. <laughs> That's when he was getting all puffy and he didn't have the same mobility anymore. He didn't look as cool. I mean, I liked the guy and everything, and wished wished him well. Wanted him to do well, but I also back then I liked Haku, so that was a that was a tough one to cheer for. I was like, probably was cheering for Haku in that match, I think, just because I always had a soft spot for my King Tonga. Yeah, I hear you. Okay, so yeah, it's July sixth is the arena, and we got to talk about the look of this building. Do you do from watching your match? Did you see it? Uh, you could on the hard camera, it looks like a normal arena, but from the entrance, it is so unique. Uh, it's not ringing a bell. Oh, there's all these windows. Oh, right. Actually, okay, yeah, in. now that you mention it, there was that, yeah, that was really cool. The Basically, a bunch of fans get silhouetted, and so it looks really artistic because, uh, as Corey says, these, these huge windows are are um, just, the, the, such as a camera angle that you cannot see anything except for these black silhouettes of these fans, but um, it, yeah, it's pretty striking. 
So I'm curious, and maybe maybe like JCP fans out there, and please email us at legendarywrestlingobsession at gmail.com and fill us in or find one of our Facebook posts or Twitter posts and all that stuff and you know send us a message. But I wonder, this, Matt, this card is so unique. This show, pardon me, is so unique because it doesn't emanate from the typical TBS studios. We all know what that looks like. We all know, you know, the interview desk is mere feet <laughs> from the ring and, and it all is tight and compact. And you got that tiny crowd, you got all the flags on the wall. You know, it's, it's such a, you know, iconic moment. And I'm not in any way trying to say like, hey, they shouldn't have done that at all. But I was thinking like, geez, if they would have, you know, once every two months, once a month, whatever it might be, kind of do one of these where they kind of record the TV show from an actual arena like this. And I looked it up. It's like sold out 8,500 people. Like, so the venue looks great because it's packed and it's a big place. And again, it's very unique. I can't, like there's, oh, there's, there's open air, uh, you know, shows and stadiums. And then there's arena shows. And some of them are huge arenas and some of them are little tiny bingo halls. But this is this almost like in between where you're like, you're indoor, but you're outdoor because you can see the, you know, it's not an open air in any way, but with all those windows and that light coming in. Absolutely unique. It's It was, uh, I paused it just to sort of be like, oh man, here's the, uh, an artistic expression of 1986 or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, uh, you know, people look like the hairstyles, you know, like, right. but you can't see any, you can't see their faces or what color their clothes are. Yeah. They're just silhouettes, but it, it was cool. And it's like, you know, July, so peak sunlight. So even if this card started at 7, it's probably not getting dark until 9.30, getting closer to 10 o'clock or something like that. So most of this card would have taken place with, you know, bright light outside. And it was, yeah, it was great. So we'll just kind of roll through it. We're not going to worry about every little tiny segment. Um, there's, there's just, you know, several good matches on it, which is, the you know, the biggest thing. The World Championship Wrestling broadcasts are a bit more famous for their great interview segments than they are the matches themselves, but they certainly put on some some good matches. But this just kind of like kept outdoing itself. I didn't I didn't look ahead when I watched this. I just flicked this episode on and just kind of was watching. It was fast forwarding a tiny bit, but I was like, oh, this is on it. Oh, this is on it. Like it kind of kept getting better. It kept building building to a crescendo. So one of the first things we find out when they come in though is that David Crockett is on assignment. They don't quite explain it, and I've I've read and heard that. You know, he often would be out of town for business, so they would have to have other people. So we don't get David Crockett, so we don't get his excited voice, but we get a pretty great replacement in Jim Cornette. Right. He's uh, young, but he's ready for action. He's awesome. (laughs) His outfit looks so funny. He's got like the suit and hat on. I think he's got some kind of a flower coming out of his hat. It's all quite ridiculous. And he's got he's got his newly, you know, fashioned Big Bubba bodyguard with him the whole time and he never says a word it's great he just totally silent Stu green <laughs> what's that he's too green oh too green i thought you said stew green and i was like who's too green he's too green yeah exactly i guess yeah. i did say stew green <laughs> so the opening match is really quick it's baby doll coming out with the warlord and very early, and I, I haven't looked it up. I'm sure he must have wrestled some other matches and other promotions. I couldn't tell. The crowd at this point was not into the. I guess they just went into Warlord because yeah. I couldn't even tell if he was a heel or a face. He came. Well, out, he comes with a baby doll, so you're like, that means he's a face. Exactly. Why is there nobody saying anything? So this is my thing. She kind of almost seemed to not be acting like herself. Let's call it. She wasn't. The, she wasn't. She's got well, this leather jacket on, and she wasn't smiling, and she wasn't. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I almost hesitate to say pimp in the crowd, but we've said yeah. that. You know. Yeah, and, yeah, you yeah. know. Uh, she. It was nothing going on, you know, like uh, yeah. too early in the event or whatever. And, and Baby Doll, you know, uh, wasn't really there, it seemed. Yeah. The Warlord is needs 
representation. He's, he's yes. he wasn't a good talker or, or very charismatic in the ring. That's Incredible right. look. Yeah, but um, definitely looked like an ass kicker, even yeah. though he wasn't the most coordinated guy or whatever. But. So this was a bit surprising, and and of course he is meant to be a face. Yes, but it, it took me halfway through the match to be like, what's going on? <laughs> I guess I was also a little bit like mesmerized by these by the just the the, the venue was. Really, yes, yeah. It's, it's I I mean. And he's got, I, he's got no paint, so he looks a bit different. His hair's kind of weird. He's He hasn't shaved it yet into his uh, roadwear ripoff hair, but it, it also doesn't normal hair. Yeah, and he just doesn't have charisma. Sorry, no. he crushed me in a heartbeat, you know. Like, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, I, I, I noticed he's got some shoot interviews, so maybe I'll give them a listen. Perhaps he's articulate and maybe he's a good storyteller. I, yeah. I don't know, but he, he didn't have uh, that natural... Charisma, yeah. Yeah, and... Um, so he stayed around the mid card, and he also got saddled with, I think, with a, a bum deal trying to be the road warrior. So yeah. you know, when they're already there, exactly, <laughs> at the exact same time, Poor I can guy. see if like the road warriors are somewhere else, and Jim Crockett was sort of, hey, we need a, we need a road, we need a big tough guy team, so let's make this. Yeah. they like made him right in front of them. <laughs> yeah. So who does he wrestle? You know, I didn't write the jobber's name down. Let me see. I got it. Uh, got it here. One okay, second. Okay, so I guess it's not <laughs> that Gene Lejean or Legon. Right. I can't remember. Very unimpressive guy. Like forty nine seconds. So what I'm going to say right. about this match is that I don't think the war- warlord can wrestle yet. He's he doesn't have a lot going on. I've seen a couple of matches during this period. I think the next week and this week, and I saw one before that. His matches have a couple things in common. They're against total enhancement talent that, you know, that have no business even getting a punch in, that they are over incredibly quick, and he does two to three things. His power slam looks very impressive. He does the Davy Boy style over the shoulder running power slam, and he really jumps in the air with it and gets a good bounce off the mat and for his three count. And when he's pushing down for that pin, his you know his yeah. shoulders and chest and arms and everything looks so impressive. But Well, they do actually, I think, Powers of Pain versus Road Warriors, way better than the uh, Legion of Doom versus Demolition. So I will say that though that yeah. feud way more, I mean, like with the weightlifting and the yeah, sneak attack. Yeah, they pulled it attack, off better, yeah, exactly. You know, definitely much better booking. So Warlord will go on to be part of a cool angle where I was like, you will, you stinking Road Warrior ripoff, I hope they beat you, you senseless. <laughs> and, you know, then the cheating at the weightlift bench yeah, press competition, right. yeah. uh, which we got mostly through magazines. That's right. But it, it, it was good because, um, okay, good, now I have a positive spin on the Warlord. At one point, I really wanted the Road Warriors to kick the warlord and barbarian's ass <laughs> yeah, yeah. for daring to, you know, use yeah. their shtick right in front of them. That's right. So right now he's aimless and baby doll's not helping. That's right. Next. So, yeah, just kind of. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's where we're at. So, you know, there's other things that are happening as far as we're seeing, like, you know, stuff about, like, it's the Great American Bash Tour, of course. David Crockett came out. Uh, not David Crockett. Jim Crockett Jr. Uh, Jim Crockett, yeah. Jim Crockett Jr. Uh, had come out to sort of, you know, hype up. The fact that they're in the middle of the bash tour, I believe they say, like, correct myself later, I think it's seven or nine dates left. Because remember, they're recording this on July 6th, but they know they're airing it on July 12th. So they're doing the math <laughs> from, you know, and they're, and they're promoting the card that night. So people are watching this Saturday during the day. And then that evening, there's going to be another big bash card, big stadium show. And it's the first of two title defenses where Flair's facing Dusty Rhodes. Right. Well, you know, Dusty's the booker. That's right. He's going to call on the shots. Gonna get himself in there and <laughs> Yeah. I'm losing track of my car, my uh Crockett's. That's right. Yeah. David's the uh you know your your cheerleader. 
<laughs> you no good road you warriors. Know he, you stink. <laughs> what you did, stink. <laughs> and then Jim Crockett Jr. is the one we know who runs the company. Jim Crockett Sr. is the one who passed away around the time we were born. Okay, what about the cameraman? That's Jackie Crockett. Zoom. Cameraman <laughs> Zoom. Cameraman Zoom. He was the, he was the party Marty. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah, that's what um, Robert Gibson said, that okay. uh, one of the Crockett's was the black sheep, the ooh, cameraman, ooh. Jackie. Wow, okay. I know that Jim Crockett liked to hang out with the horsemen and go to Vegas with them and stuff like that, and that's why they blew a lot of their money on their planes, and they're <laughs> flying all over the place. Mm. They weren't just flying from town to town. They were also making a trip to Vegas every night right. on, the, on the jet and racking up those expenses because right. he liked, uh, liked the party life. So did Robert. He was like, yeah. And he was like, biggest party guy, myself. <laughs> <laughs> so there's another match that comes up, which, I, you know, it's it's a little longer than I thought it would be. So we've got the Koloffs come out. It's Ivan Koloff wrestling against Rocky King. And I got to say he impressed me in this match because I've known his name forever. I've seen him wrestle before. He's an enhancement looks talent. Incredible. He looks at, this is what I wanted to get to. This guy does not look like enhancement talent. No, when it's... you look at what enhancement talent looks like in the mid eighties, they do not look like this guy. Like this guy is fit, 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 like really muscular. He's a little bit undersized for mid eighties wrestling, but he looks strong. He's very fast. He's agile. The one thing that I found that he was bad at was he had a bad punch. It didn't look, when he was throwing punches, it didn't look like anything, but he, everything else he did well, and the crowd got excited for him. It kind of so, looked like Apollo Creed a bit, not not as yeah. muscular, but then again, there were the proportion, remember, yeah. Rocky was a small yeah, that's right. yeah, human yeah. being, but yeah. anyway, so this Rocky King, yep. I, I meant to say Sylvester Stallone's Rocky, but this yeah. Rocky King guy, you, you know, there was like no body fat on no, him. No, he was just, yeah, so tight. So like, ripped. So ripped, and uh, the crowd really liked him. I don't think he had a tremendous amount of success in Jim Crockett promotions, and I didn't see him wrestle other places. I'm sure if we looked it up, we'd find he held regional titles, and you know he probably was in other promotions and did a lot better. I feel for sure that I'd seen his picture in the magazines, yeah. and uh, so in some territory, he probably had to be mid or maybe even upper tier. You yeah. know, like yeah. So I'm sure a lot, of, and I, I think I've heard some of the wrestlers talk about like liking that guy, that he was a good guy, and like Rocky. You know, yeah, he was around a lot and he was, you know, it was good to work with, you know, the kind of, I've heard Arn talk about that, the idea of like, you look at the booking sheet and it's like, there was a lot of guys on the circuit where it was like, you knew you were going to have a good night because they were skilled. They were, you know, good at their job. Okay. They were safe, you know. So, and then you've got Dwayne Johnson's father was, the Rock's dad was the, the Rocky rest. Rocky Johnson was the wrestling name. Okay, so we are talking about the Dwayne. This is the, this is the Rock's dad. Are we talking? Oh about? no, 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 no. Okay, no, so no, who no. was the Rock's dad? The uh, guy who did Rocky came... Johnson. He was in the okay, WWF. So Rocky times. Johnson, Rocky King. Okay, yeah. so I'm getting my. I'm just yeah. Like, this, Rocky King's a lot younger than Rock, the Rock's dad. Like probably 10, 15 right. years younger. They're just both super ripped black. Yeah, wrestlers, the, wrestlers the, if you stood them beside each other, <laughs> Rocky Johnson would be a lot bigger, like mass. Yes, he was. You know, yeah, like, and also he had like because he when he stands beside Tony Atlas, he's like he's right. not. I mean, he's smaller than Tony Atlas, but basically everybody is. So he, but right. so he's he's almost comparable to Tony Atlas. I wonder if I did see pictures of Rocky King in the wrestling, or if I'm just getting confused with Rocky Johnson because you know I, I yeah. mean, we didn't know anything about them. We don't, you know I only knew them from the magazines. So. Yeah. Maybe I never did see Rocky King, uh, you know, because 12 years old. <laughs> That's right. And again, we weren't getting this television, right? We were, so how, how many times did the enhancement talent get to be in the pictures of, of the wrestling magazines, right? That's a good question, right? So, but I definitely remember him and seeing matches of his and, and having heard people talk about him and stuff like that. So yeah, it was, it was good, uh, 
there's good stuff there. The first of sort of the pretty decent matches is a uh, Ron Garvin coming off his his tape fist match with Tully Blanchard, and you can see some band. He's got a bandage on his forehead, so he's having a non-title match against the Mid Atlantic Champion Black Bart, who are you know becoming a bit more aware of. Yeah, big man. He's very big. He doesn't. He's he's kind of soft. You know, like he doesn't. He's not a big muscular guy. He's just kind of a big guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's interesting. Early in the match, I was just watched rewatching it again today. It's great. Like Black Bart's not really cheating, but just being rough. Being rough with Ronnie Garvin. So Ronnie Garvin just grabs that big mane of hair and just chucks him down and then stands over him and threatens like he's going to punch him while he's down. And the ref's getting him to back up because, you know, Ronnie Garvin's got that, you know, deadly weapon, his fist. I think there is more to Black Bart than perhaps we thought. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he did a lot of things. I, I mentioned he was, you know, world class, crowned him as the first. Uh, when they broke away from the NWA, they made him their first heavyweight champion. He was this mid-Atlantic champion. He was on these early Starcades and Great American Bash tours and stuff like that. And we just didn't see quite see enough of him. I mean, it's kind of a bit of a hokey gimmick, you know, the Black Bart. You know, that's kind of, yeah. <laughs> that's been around a lot longer than this guy has been. But, uh, yeah. you know. I just don't have one memory of a wrestling match of Black Bart. I have yeah. no memories of, of Again, because I think if we go look, it's all, he's all Southern territories and, you know, wrestling shows that we didn't have. So he's, you know, but he definitely would have been in the magazines. Like he was, he would have been positioned high enough to, you know, appear on those top 10 lists in certain, you know, some somebody's, somebody's promotion would have had him listed as a, you know, a top 10 wrestler. So who's got the gold at this point? So Black Bart's still carrying this Mid-Atlantic Championship. And, right, and he's the thought. champ, yeah. And he does not lose the belt to Garvin. No, it's a non-title match and stuff. Uh-huh. So you'll recall that Ronnie Garvin lost the Crockett Cup by having an injured hand. Yeah, that's right. The horseman had injured his hands. Yep. His, his, his hand of stone, and he used it. He punches one of the road warriors, but he's in so much pain that, uh, you know, animal's able to clobber him and get a pin. That's right. There's this angle that his fist isn't quite up to snuff. Yeah, here we are four months later, whatever yeah. it is, and it's still it's still an issue for him. He's, yeah. He doesn't have it taped up anymore, but he's still showing every time he punches with it, he's shaking it out. Long That's right. Long-term storytelling. So Black Bart is spending a lot of time wrapping Ronnie Garvin's arm around the top rope and, and then you know either actually headbutting his shoulder. That's right, yeah. And that's when we're like, holy, hey, wait a minute, he looks like Bruiser Brody. Yeah, yeah, the way the hair's flying around, he looks like a Bruiser Brody. Yeah. A poor man's Bruiser Brody. Really. Yeah. But, I mean, hey, we'll still take two-thirds of Bruiser Brody <laughs> if we can get it. That's right. So more Black Bart. But uh, there's a lot of match to go, actually. And uh, now that we think about it, it's a pretty fun match. There's a really great spot in the <laughs> middle. I, like, Ronnie Garvin does some moves, uncommon moves. Yes. A cool yeah, moves that you don't see. He's like stretching the guy. <laughs> yeah. Where he's like hooking his feet you know, around the leg, through the armpit, you know, and the legs, the legs and the necks and everything's all. Yeah. It, but it ended up what I kind of thought was like a crucifix because Black Bart's on the mat and yeah. Ronnie Garvin's standing. So he, he gets sort of, he gets like a Black Bart on his side. so yeah, that you know, arm he, isolated. Yeah. And he, Black Bart's not on his belly or his back, but he uh, manages to th- thread his, his left leg in, in some way through Black Bart's left arm. And then he takes his right arm and he starts wrapping that and twisting it. And so that yeah, Black yeah. Bart's kind of like got almost almost a pectoral stretch. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Ronnie Garvin's just standing. I thought Ronnie Garvin was, was going to do a big backdrop, you know, like, for the percussive. Like fall down himself to yeah. like stretch that arm out. Yeah. yeah. He's stays up we get like a a nikolai volkov lex luger worthy yeah, scream. scream oh my god black bart is so funny when when garvin finally like really applies the hold and really rears back with it you're the torque. Like, 
<laughs> yeah. And Jeffrey wound it a few times. Yeah, I, for funny. a second, I thought he was, I was like, wait a minute, this happened three times? Like, no, it's just, it's just I was one time enjoying over it, yeah. Over again. yeah. You get to enjoy it now, too, dear listeners. Garvin, good go behind there. Obviously, gives away a lot of weight when he goes up against Bart. But Ron Garvin, a master at making you scream and just knowing where to apply the punishment. And he's doing it right there. I think all the fans here in Raleigh could hear the cry of pain. They have, uh, they carry on and you get lots of shots. It's not completely dark out yet. So you still get to see like a dusky sky through these cool windows. So that the the last matches, it's blackout. So you you lose that cool effect, but it's pretty mesmerizing. Definitely. We're taking a look at. It does make me think that the recording actually probably started even later than I maybe suspected. Maybe it was a 8.30, you know, start time or something. So by the time you get midway through the show, then it is actually dark out. Hmm. So Garvin, you know, is he's facing it up and he's controlling the match and uh, it's pretty entertaining and really enjoyable. And then the next kind of turning point would be that uh, a distraction shows up unless there's any other spots you wanted to cover. Well, only that he's, yeah, he's just kind of for over the period of the match. Garvin does get worn down. He does start bleeding from the forehead. I don't know if the bandage well, actually to... comes off, but he, yeah, he starts bleeding because he's already got that injured forehead. And he does start to look really, like, battered. You know, he's doing a really good job of selling that he's kind of out on his feet. So Black Bart's kind of battering him around the ring a bit and trying to lead to something. But as Jeff says, you know, the storyline is still... Garvin and Tully is still a big thing. So who who comes out to ringside to lend some support or protest or whatever else they're there to do? It's J.J. Dillon. And Tully Blanchard, yes, the two of them are there to observe. So we're getting close to the finish, and Black Bart attempts to win with an illegal leverage maneuver <laughs> by sticking his feet on the ropes while he's he's got Garvin's shoulders on the mat. But Tommy Young sees it, and so he stops the count. That's right. He goes one, two, and then he, you know, the third time he's patting Black Bart to say, hey, no, you don't have it. And so Black Bart thinks he's won it. That's he right. He starts, you know, looking the other way, and you think, oh, I've seen this play out before, the yeah, roll yeah. up, you know, or whatever. But no, the match carries on for a bit, and you get some more clubbing from uh, Black Bart. It's before long, though. What we were, you know, Corey had, we'd already seen it, but, you know, it's it was kind of telegraphed a bit because when a heel cheats a certain way and it's unsuccessful at it, then the face can then cheat that way, <laughs> honestly, and with, you know, dignity and... Justification. That's right. Because it was, it's turnabout's fair play, as that's Jesse right. would say, but he wouldn't, yeah. he wouldn't say it, you know, in these circumstances. <laughs> So Ronnie Garvin ends up with a really cool pinning situation, and he, and he uh, instead of kind of climbing, he he just he does a little tuck and then kicks his feet back up, and they <laughs> they go under the second rope. Yeah. And Tommy does a real quick one two three. Yeah. While you know Tully's jumping up on the apron yeah, to Gar- complain about yeah, this, Gar- this Garvin cheating. Just, Garvin somehow it's almost like he drops himself into a push up position, but at the same time you know has his feet up high enough that they'll hook themselves on those ropes to like keep him in this like neat little angle because he's 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 a uh, parallel with you know Bart. He's not like it's not the crisscross pin. It's like he's literally coming. He's they're, they're laying on top of each other. <laughs> Right. So Tommy Young awards the match to Ronnie Garvin, but he doesn't get the belt. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He's and a he's, he's smart enough to get out of there right away. And it's pretty funny because there's quite the protest afterwards from Dylan and Tully. Like Tully's like reenacting for Tommy Young yeah. what happened. And yeah. JJ Dylan's up on the second rope, like, you know, yeah. making all these, you know, mannerisms and stuff. It's, it's actually quite funny. Good match. Yeah. And, the, you know, and in this day and age, like, hey, this could have been their sort of top match for the week. 
But, you know, oh, yeah. on, on this show, like, not even close. <laughs> no. Nope. We got more to go. I also love how Cornette, you know, keeps talking about, uh, in he, 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 coming and going from the ring. Yes, he's not right. always there. <laughs> yes. So uh, he's at points. He talks about people he doesn't like. He's like, they were here. Well, I would have beat them up if I'd known they were out here. They're lucky I had to go and talk to my, I had to telephone my mama and find That's out right. about. <laughs> yeah. So you're not seeing them in the normal. The interview set is kind of backstage, I would assume. Who knows if it was recorded in advance, but they kind of play it up that every time that there's sort of like a, a Dusty or a Magnum or whoever comes out, you know, for an interview, then Jim Cornette isn't there. And when they come back, Tony's Giovanni's but where were you? <laughs> You're supposed to be helping me with this. Right. <laughs> it's pretty good. The next match on the show is one of Paul Jones' army. So a wrestler that I really wasn't very familiar with beyond his name. I knew his name more than I knew his look. Tejo or Tejo Khan. And it's, you know, I don't know where the gimmick came from. I don't really get it. He's got a bit of a mohawk. He's got a pretty good body. Um, yeah, it's it's a, a fun, it's not a distinct, it's kind of like your most generic wrestler guy, you know, yeah, thing. He's yeah. got a, like a the mohawk. The name's very unique, but the, the body isn't, or the look isn't. No, and the name too. Maybe they were going for a Genghis Khan thing, Tijo Khan. Maybe, yeah, I mean, yeah. He could look like yeah. that sort of part of the world, I guess, but... He doesn't look distinctly, you know, he just looks like a pretty regular guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with, with dark, you he know. He's from Pittsburgh or something. Yeah, you know, like. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah, like Corey said, the mustache and uh, mohawk and, uh, yeah, good body. Yeah. And a pretty decent, uh, he moves well. Yeah, he's nothing nothing extraordinary about him, but also nothing super weak about him. It's just a normal squash match, so... But he's not, nice and safe with his jobber. He does yeah. a power slam, yeah. and he takes a bunch of impact on his own knees before he takes the guy down. So yeah. it doesn't look as devastating, but if I was the jobber, I'd be That's appreciating right. that. Yeah. Like, thank Mark, you. Mark Fleming's taking him out to dinner yeah. later that night. That's right. I appreciate that. <laughs> as opposed to Wahoo, who was like, oh, geez, I wouldn't yeah. want to wrestle him, man. No. Well, didn't anyone beat? tell you this is what's work? Yeah, I think he beat. I think you get beat up when you wrestle Wahoo. <laughs> that's right. Win or lose, you lose. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So then they go to a interview with Jim Cornette and Bubba because he's they got to talk a little bit to set up yeah. his matches coming. Well, uh, let me just say here. Yeah. Interview with Bubba. Bubba don't say nothing and you know it. They don't talk to Bubba. Bubba stands there and he just looks around. He's keeping guard. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Uh, I did listen to uh, a Robert Gibson shoot, and he was just talking about how Bubba was so green that, like, there were times where he was not supposed to, you know, there he was supposed to back off, but he didn't know it, and he was he kept coming. He was like, <laughs> and, and he and Ricky would look at each other and like, shit, you know, now we gotta, you know, take Plan B, you know, because he's <laughs> a, he didn't. Uh, and another time that like he took a, a a chair shot, but the nature of this chair had. The seat was kind of like a frame with planks across it, so yeah. the, the planks shattered. Yeah, and and it was he he was wearing the thing. It was just yeah, like a yeah. top. He's just wearing the chair the, the chair around his neck after he. But he did, of course no cell, so it was like a pretty well, yeah, good. Yeah, I think that know. was all kind of planned as far as Dusty wanted. This is how he showed him off. He's like, you don't. I'm gonna yeah. hit you with the chair, and you don't even you don't even sell it. It was effective, I think. Yeah, he had a pretty good career. Absolutely. I mean, the the Bubba uh, Rogers gimmick will give way to Boss Man, and uh, it's so wild to think about like the heavy Boss Man. Yes. You know, heel Boss Man. Yes, that's right. And then a really just different, completely different wrestler, so much speedier, like yes. running around, sliding into the ropes. Yeah. He shaved off a hundred pounds and became a huge face. Yeah, that's right. And. Uh, and then he came back with SWAT gear, and that looked like it could have worked for him. <laughs> yeah, but I wasn't yeah. paying a lot of attention. But I thought this is a natural transition for uh, Ray Trainer. 
Yeah, trailer. Yeah, trailer? He, he had several sort of iterations after the Big Boss Man because they couldn't call him Big Boss Man in WCW. So then they were like the something Angel and the you know no, like they big... should have, they should have uh, Hall and Nashed him. Yeah, yeah, that's Hall right. notes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, but, right, but you right. know, just call him. But they even called him Big Bubba at one point. I thought that's what they should have like for sure went to when he went back to oh, WCW. Yeah. You should have just been Big Bubba You're, again. Yeah, why not? <laughs> for sure. And like Former UWF I, champion mixes his real name with his old gimmick. That's right. Yeah. Because now he now he's he became a pretty good talker. He could he could shout him out. Yeah, <laughs> you know like he it. did. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> it was a it was a good archetype to go with. You know, yeah. as a heel, Southern law man. You know, corrupt jail guard. It was it was smart. Yeah. The nightstick, and he was skillful with this nightstick. I always thought it was oh, going to yeah, fly yeah. out of his hand and like, oh yeah, yeah. kill somebody in the crowd. Yeah, <laughs> he was like leading the mar- the big band marching parade, <laughs> twirling like, that nightstick. Yeah, <laughs> Some kid gets a yeah. stick in the face. But he hasn't got much to say today with Jim no, Cornette. No, no, no. And Jim Cornette's talking uh, about uh, Baby Doll. I mean, everybody talks about everybody. It's a beautiful thing about yeah, yeah. They got to say NWA. Yeah, everyone's got a beef with everybody. And uh, but what I got more of a sense was that they're going to get in the ring together, which I had either forgotten or haven't watched that. Uh, he's talking about baby doll and Jim Cornette will be, at, is, it a, is it a one-on-one match or a six no, no, tag? They keep doing six man. So right. the, the, the July 5th great American bash card, we saw it was Magnum and dusty and baby doll versus Midnight Express and Jim Cornette. Remember he hid in the corner the whole time until oh, finally yeah. baby doll beat him up at the end. Yeah. So now it's going to be ver- different versions where it's like, maybe it's the road warriors and baby doll. Like it's just, he said, you just, you and whatever degenerates you bring in there. <laughs> yeah. They're both dressed very nicely, Jim Cornette. And, That's right. Yeah, he said the Big flower Baba. was in his was in his uh, hat. It's actually it's on his lapel or whatever. He looks like he's ready to go to prom or something. He's got a like a, what do you call it a uh, corsaged kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So does Bubba. He's got like a, a, a yeah. very dark flower in his they lapel. Got him, they got him dressed up. Yeah, like a, looking like a mobster hitman. And that follows up after they come back from commercial break with a rock and roll express interview where they're kind of pumping up the Summer Sizzler Tour, which also I think Ricky Morton calls it the Summer Sizzling Tour, which I don't think is the proper name. And uh, But it's same idea there. You know, they're, they're letting everybody know whether it's the Andersons or the Koloffs or the Net Express. Like we're, a general We're interview. ready to fight everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Robert Gibson doesn't say one word. <laughs> Didn't he? I don't think he did. Uh, okay, well, he wasn't. I, I, I think you... If he, you uh, if he said something, it was very short because I, like, yeah. I just remember being Ricky Morton talking the whole time. Right. Okay. Well, probably let's go. Let's go. Ninety and ten. I yeah, think Robert. Get, yeah. Ninety ten. Robert says something. Maybe he said something at the beginning, and I yeah. just kind of blocked it out because because <laughs> Ricky was just going on and on and on. So here we go. The next thing on this show, it's a national heavyweight championship title defense. Tully Blanchard versus the ever dangerous Wahoo McDaniel. So if we flash back and remember the tape fist match between Ronnie Garvin and Tully Blanchard, Wahoo was in Ronnie Garvin's corner. It was very involved at the end of that match. So they're sort of tied that together. You know, again, they've already got some heat or whatever. So And there was the Jimmy Garvin strap match. That's right. With Wahoo. Yeah, so Wahoo comes out from that, looking all beat up, and then came out right away like the next match, you know, to corner Ronnie Garvin. So, yeah, we're going to talk about that match, which has a really fun ending. And poor Tully will get him some packs of ice for his chest and whatever else from all those slaps he's going to take. You got the Road Warriors going after my champions at Midnight Express tonight, trying to take away their titles, trying to embarrass me, maybe try to get to me physically. You got the Rock and Roll Express waiting in the background. You got Dusty Rhodes, your American dream, and your America's heartthrob Magnum TA. You got them waiting, and this big goofy warlord with the butchered up haircut. Well, let me tell you something, darling. I got the indestructible Bubba Rogers, my personal bodyguard, standing right behind me at all times. He don't go anywhere without me, and 
I don't go anywhere without him. And he's taking real good care of me all during bash season so nothing happens to me so that I can get in the ring and beat your brains out. And the Midnight Express, my world tag team champions, they're not going to lose those belts to the Road Warriors. They're not going to lose those belts to anybody. They're going to be champions from now until doomsday, until the crack of doom when we decide to retire. And there's nothing that you or your dummy friends can do about it. All right, so we got a championship match on television. The national title, for what it's worth. Which too many, many titles. <laughs> Not worth as much because there's too many belts, but it's there. And Tully Blanchard's also sporting a bandage on his forehead, showing the you know signs from the, the fight the actual day before from the tape fest match with Ronnie Garvin. And yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting little back and forth. I think they start intentionally very slow. And I think, as you noted, <laughs> Wahoo controls the pace. He decides how it's going to go. Yeah. Telly Blanchard doesn't get a lot of offense for, uh, you know, the first five, six, seven minutes. Yeah, every time he hits Wahoo, it just invites Wahoo to hit him back yeah. and take the advantage. Telly's one of those wrestlers where I can picture myself because I think I'm about the same height as him. So if I'd done the roids, I could have looked like Telly Blanchard. <laughs> if I'd done a lot of roids, I might have looked like Ballorndorf. But <laughs> anyway, we were about the same height. I think he's about, he was just, just under six feet, I think, that Telly Blanchard. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he was known as a uh, really you know he doesn't he didn't have the body of he wasn't a body guy he, so he didn't look like a lot of the other wrestlers but a lot of people did say at that time you know he was one of the best athletes even though he didn't necessarily 100 percent look like it like he was a college quarterback like Division one or something like that like you know really high level stuff and if had he had he been a taller guy because it was sort of the prototype of the NFL they wouldn't draft quarterbacks underneath a certain height so he wasn't tall enough to be a quarterback in the NFL but you know had he been a taller guy with that athletic prowess he probably maybe would have done something else in his life well he could read a crowd he was a master showman he had the in-ring psychology and uh, he, he was a part of the four horsemen and he was no weak link by any means no, he was, he was, he was fantastic they, they were never the same without him like exactly. trying to, trying to was, put it together without him was yeah. a no-go that's right so it wasn't that he was an incredibly impressive physical specimen, but here he is with some gold and right. uh, Wahoo dwarfs him, you know, <laughs> yeah. Wahoo's probably like, I like wrestling this guy because, you know, it's a night off. I can do all my moves. You know, if, uh, yeah. I mean, if, if Wahoo's not really doing a lot of uh, lifting. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> a lot of chops. Chopping. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, that's the, in the nature of the early going. But um, now, how did he finally get the advantage? We it's saw pretty something- neat. So there's, yeah, we'll skip over most of the first part of the match because it is intentionally sort of drawn out slow. Tully hits the floor a bunch of times to go to J.J. Dillon for advice to get away yeah. from Wahoo beating him up. And uh, eventually at some point, there's like a uh, a rear chin lock, let's say, that is almost got Blanchard almost on his back. Like instead of sitting up in a rear chin lock, he's almost laying down and Wahoo's down on the ground with him. And Tully Blanchard does this neat thing where he reaches up and kind of grabs Wahoo's head and then manages to like drive his knee into yeah. like Wahoo's head from like that really weird yeah. angle. Yeah, it's, I've, I think I've seen something like it before, but it's rare. It's very rare, I think. It's pretty cool. It, it didn't remind me of anything else. So I was like, whoa, that's a game Wahoo's old finally. He finally, finally, yeah. finally takes some damage and then uh, Tully takes over, uh, gets it. Gets Wahoo at his mercy for a while, but yeah. uh, it was a good, unique move. Needed a head while they're on the ground there. Yeah. So Tully takes over, and uh, um, they do end up, I think, in a, in a weird test of strength. Like, 
you know <laughs> Tully's basically trying to pin Wahoo and Wahoo's able to keep kind of like lifting his shoulder without actually kicking yeah. out and but eventually the pin is like a knuckle lock pin yeah yeah it starts you know? off with like a knee on a shoulder and then a knuckle lock yeah. and then it eventually becomes two knuckle locks and then it just says <laughs> then and they turns, roll to their side yeah, and then so it's they're like, doing like a test of strength on the ground yeah <laughs> and uh, no proper heel can win a test of strength <laughs> never yeah. especially when you're half the size of the other guy yeah so Wahoo, you know, uh, but it, it moves on to uh, a different phase of the match. What, what, uh, what happens? The big after turning this? point is that Tully's got him, you know, fairly beat up, and he sets up. He's going to do the slingshot suplex for his big finisher, and uh, <laughs> Wahoo's Wahoo, not, yeah. Wahoo's not going for the ride. Yeah. <laughs> so he he suplexes Tully. And it's pretty great, and he gives him an really great atomic drop you know atomic drops are usually pretty dime a dozen but this one seemed to have a lot of oomph in it Tully Blanchard does a great job of face planting into the turnbuckle off that atomic drop and then turns around and gets chopped and that's like you know that sends him flying like halfway across the ring so and then from that point there's a lot of like Tully trying to crawl out of the ring while he's grabbing his legs yeah, and at this point in the back. match both guys are bleeding so you know it's, it's yeah. looking pretty uh, dramatic so before long we get to uh, JJ gets yeah. Yeah, involved. JJ's got to get involved. So there's a hilarious spot. I think it comes off a chop. So T- Tully's on the ground while who's going for the pin right by the ropes. So, of course, foot on the rope is looking like a possibility. Now, we have all seen outside interference from tag team partners, managers, valets, where they put the foot of the wrestler on the rope. That's that's standard practice. Yeah. But I don't think I've ever seen this one. Yeah. Wahoo has the leg hooked and DJ reaches into the ring and grabs the hooked leg and pulls it away from Wahoo to put it on the ropes. That was pretty great. Another <laughs> unique spot. Never seen that before. So Wahoo's complaining bitterly about this so he distracts Tommy so then immediately JJ goes into his black business socks it's time to do some business <laughs> so he pulls up some sort of foreign object yeah. and he gives it to like the half passed out Tully Blanchard and is beautifully timed he's straightening his tie as he walks away all proud of yeah. himself so Tully just clocks Wahoo as he comes in to get him and he's going for the pen, but you can hear on the one count, the crowd is just popping because Ronnie Garvin comes sliding into the ring before the two count can happen. He and catches like, Tommy Young's yeah, arm. Yeah, he stops his arm. He's like, no, no, and tells him. So again, the ref, Tommy Young, is distracted by Ronnie Garvin. So J- JJ and uh, <laughs> and Tully try to ret- rectify the situation because Tully's got the foreign object tucked into the front of his tights. So Tully pulls out the object and he goes to hand it to JJ. And just as JJ's about to grab it, Tully all of a sudden decides to throw it at him. <laughs> flicks it up in the air and JJ Tommy can't catch it you Tommy know turns around. Oh, he turns in, and it's just perfect like they couldn't have like I don't, if they rehearsed this I don't know but like if you did this 10 times I'm sure you wouldn't have gotten it this good every time like it so perfectly falls to the ground just, just Tommy Young sees it and they all jump around for it and yeah there's a disqualification big scramble yeah there's but, a big scramble but they are busted and that's <laughs> the end of the match disqualification yeah wahoo McDaniel wins yeah, and you can see Tully's trying to set something up because there, there's a little bit of uh, post-match action to come. But what I, I'm waiting for I Tully... See, I, didn't see what, I didn't see it coming. I'm, I'm waiting for Tully. Blanchard looks like he's trying to get behind Wahoo to nail him because Wahoo's all beaten up from getting punched with the uh, foreign object, but he's got his arm being raised. And then it's like Dylan does it. J.J. Dylan comes running in with his running knee to the back of Wahoo. Right. And nails him down. And then it's really funny. Ronnie Garvin plays like the dumbest wrestler in the world. He like he has the two heels in front of him. And then he charges at JJ and then takes JJ and turns himself so that he puts Tully completely behind him. <laughs> so then before he can beat up JJ, 
Tully comes in and knees Ronnie Garvin in the back, and it's awesome. He he nails Ronnie Garvin with the slingshot suplex, which is yep, you know a great he gets move. His finisher on Ronnie yeah, Garvin. And he slides out of there and gets out of dodge before uh, you know the good guys can get any any heat back. Yeah, surprising. I, I, you know, I didn't think that, but of course, it, Wahoo did eat the foreign object. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, like, there's two good guys and only a one and a half bad guys. Half, yeah. What's going on here? <laughs> Finishing maneuvers. Yeah. You know, it's neat. Yeah, yeah, it was funny. It was definitely a slow first half of the match and a, and a good second half. Like, the first half yeah. is like a 3 out of 10, and the second half is like a good 7 or 8 or 8.5 out of 10. It's like, yeah. you know, it's not anything amazing, but it's it's funny, mm-hmm. and uh, it's well done. This is what I've been waiting to see all along, the slingshot on Ronnie Garvin right there. And that's exactly what's going to happen to Ronnie Garvin. Every time he meets Tully Blanchard, he's going to end up flat on his back. The winner of this match will be Chief Wahoo McDaniel by his qualification because of the foreign object. And Tully Blanchard will still retain the national heavyweight title. Great match. We get a match with uh, Sam Houston, who we know quite a bit about. He's, We're uh, going to the Deep around. South. We got George <laughs> South and Sam Houston in the Battle of the Grave. <laughs> nice. Yeah, George South is kind of, again, coming from, uh, I think, Arn's podcast and some other people, like kind of a beloved jobber enhancement talent guy that you know people just really respected and liked working with, a really good pro and you can see it. I think if I, I could be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure he's this guy that's like wrestling to to this day, or at least until you know, well, right. well, well past when he should have been wrestling because he just kept himself in good shape. And uh, I think yeah. I saw a picture of him recently. Well, he doesn't look like he's on roids. No, he's not. Yeah, no. That's probably better for your health in the long term. Yeah. So what we end up with is a fairly long match and a really competitive match. We won't get into the all the nitty gritty of it, but he's it's got a good some, back and forth. Yeah, I like this George South guy. He's got some of those vocalizations, you yeah, know, rawr, rawr, and yeah. stuff that I like. And when he when he misses an elbow drop, he really commits to it. Like you yeah. know, this couple of times, he really like flies through the air to crash to the mat, and it's pretty neat. And he and he gets his he gets his shots in. Like he's, he's not a big guy, no. But Sam Houston's so scrawny that you know George South looks like a perfectly normal sized wrestler. You know, compared you know he is tall. Houston's though. tall. Yeah, he's got the tall, lanky body. Yeah. So there is the one spot. We kind of knew what the finish was, but as we're watching it, we're like, wait a minute, that's not the finish, but it looks like there's like a bit of a botch. Yeah. It looks like maybe, in my estimation, Sam Houston is supposed to go for like a flying cross body or something like that, but it kind of turns into his bulldog, (laughs) but then George kicks out of it. So like it's, I don't think that's what was supposed to happen. Yeah, it was kind of a, you know, pit drop. Well, no, that's not 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 a pit drop. Uh, I think <laughs> we that's established what, that on the top rope. Uh, that's right. <laughs> that, that, that's right. That's one of my <laughs> patented finish maneuvers. That is not mine, just the, the name. Trademark.com. That's right. <laughs> what happens, yeah, it, it does, like Corey said, and uh, George South, his face ends up going into Sam Houston's armpit, and then they drop to the mat. So. Yeah, with Sam Houston basically on top, kind of like yeah, a headlock almost. The crowd cheers, they keep going, moving on. Yeah, exactly. But there is a great bulldog to finish this match. Um, so Sam Houston's actually quite good. Yeah. So you mentioned tall and lanky. And you also mentioned that uh, Sam Houston gets his bulldog and, and then he makes yeah. the little twirl. <laughs> he's, I said that he's uh, he's the only guy I saw that like he does his finishing maneuver and then he signals for it. <laughs> right. Here's what I'm thinking. Two Jakes. Yeah. Two Snakes. That's right. So they're real life brothers. This guy clearly has the athleticism, the talent, the genes that yeah. Jake, he seems to be as good a wrestler as Jake. I mean. He does, he does some things really, like his his arm drag is awesome. His drop yeah. kicks are great. Like he, there's nothing you know, wrong no. with his in-ring performance. His body is close enough to Jake's. 
They yeah. could have easily uh, teamed up and, you know, I mean, imagine two DDTs. <laughs> <laughs> a bulldog and a DDT. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, it, uh, that would have been fun to see what could have happened if he had teamed with his brother. Yeah, I guess he kind of was typecast as the squeaky clean baby face, so maybe that didn't fit too well for the, the Jake Roberts sort of psycho, maniacal, like devious mastermind character yeah. that Jake mostly played, and we especially early in his career. We didn't even know that they were related. Yeah, of course, not until well after, like most people. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Sam Houston's, you're right, he's just totally... He's great, uh, athlete, great in the ring, great in this territory era, like where he could kind of split off into a region. And, you know, we've seen that he's been like, you know, he had regional championships and things like that. And I just think that his kind of got himself on the outs with JCP. So he went to WWF and he just was not their body type. You know, that wasn't, it wasn't the time to, for him to go. You know, had yeah. he been a wrestler, like, in the last 10 years, he, he would have been, like, one of the best guys in the world. Because, yeah. like, you know, you can be a tiny guy now. Right. He'd be, he'd be you know, above average size compared to some of the guys now. Right. And he, the way he can move, he could do all that, all that crazy flippy stuff. <laughs> Indeed. All right. That's going to set us up. We're almost there at our, what will be our feature match. It's not the end of the show, but it's got to be the feature match. And that's a world tag team title match between the world tag team champions, the Midnight Express, versus... The Road Warriors. <laughs> what a rush. <laughs> so Robert Gibson is not in this match, but he tells a story about Hawk. Yeah. That, uh, you know, before we get into the, the wrestling action, I think we need a little levity. Yes. Robert Gibson says that uh, they like to shoot pool. Okay. Yeah. He and Ricky. And uh, he also mentioned that uh, something interesting. He said that, the Japanese wrestling fans keep meticulous notes and details of, of uh, matches, including moves. And so he said that the first documented off-the-top-rope move was in Japan by okay. his brother. Wow. Robert Gibson's brother, you know, who was the original uh, Rock and Roll Express. Yeah, right? before they were called the Rock and Roll Express. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, he mentioned that in his shoot, among other interesting things. Yeah. And um, he mentioned a pretty uh, funny situation, Robert Gibson. Oh, so anyway, they're shooting pool in a small town, and they're betting and winning, and people are getting angry. <laughs> and he says the tension built in the room because more and more people started gathering around the pool table. Right, right. And he said after he'd won about $300, this guy says, new rules, and uh, winner racks him. Robert Gibson goes on to say that, like, he, you know, there was tension and he refused to rack the balls, you know, because if he won, yeah. he's anyway. So he says that he sees, looks over at Ricky, and Ricky's got his, his white knuckles, got the cue held like a weapon. It's just like, you know, yeah, ready yeah. to start swinging because they're outnumbered and there's yeah. like all these yokels are now it's thick. You can't see the, you know, anything but shoulders and people looking at the bar table, <laughs> you know, this uh, pool table. Yeah. Anyway, to my shock, Robert says he hears, what a rush, and the crowd parts like the Red Sea, and Mike walks through a road warrior animal, comes up to Robert. Hawk, you mean. Thank you. Road warrior Hawk, 100%, I did mean Hawk. Yeah. Walks up to Robert Gibson, gives him a big hug, and says, I knew your ass needed me tonight. And like the crowd dispersed because they were both, both road warriors were there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, it, it, uh, it sounds a bit... Fantastical, but yeah, I still yeah. like the stories. Like yeah, yeah. you know, at this time that the help, Road Warrior, yeah, because I remember I was like, how mad with the rock and ro- with the road. The crowd was chanting rock and roll while <laughs> yeah, the Road right, Warriors yeah. are fighting the Horsemen, and I'm thinking <laughs> that, that the that Hawk is just like, God Be damn it, ass. yeah. <laughs> Turns out no. 
Anyway, the uh, the uh, I just another funny thing that Robert Gibson said. If we can just before we get back to uh, Road Warriors versus the Midnight Express, Jim Ross is interviewing Robert Gibson and Ricky Morton live on TV, where you know the the camera is going. You know, okay, you're back in five, four. Three and then Jim Ross cuts the biggest fart you've ever heard on two, and then he, there's no he, they come back to air and Jim Ross says to him, "Well, it's a smelly situation, boys," and they had to do the whole interview in this stank of st- this cloud of stench. So those are some funny stories that Robert, yeah. you know, Gibson had to uh, tell That's about just you know this, that, and the other. And uh, they didn't ever have a, ever have a big program with the Road Warriors, the Rock and Roll no, Express. I can't imagine they would have. Yeah. Well, I mean, it seemed obvious, but like, because everybody wrestled everybody, but yeah, they didn't do a lot of babyface versus babyface. Seems like WWF actually did a few more. We found those matches in you know eighty five and eighty six of like tag team matches of like you know US Express versus Killer Bees or something. But I think the thing is, the Rock and Roll Express weren't really around much in eighty eight when the Road Warriors were doing their heel thing. Right. Know? Well, here's an embarrassing story of uh, my life. On the road touring theater <laughs> when we were trying to entertain each other with flatulence. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that joke. So one time I was trying to make my colleague laugh, but you know, we were in a school and we were like, <laughs> so I let one rip and they are laughing and they're, and I was like, they, and then they, they had a shocked look on their face and I, I just turned around and I was like, they were this. You know, a clutch of kids there. They were like, <laughs> these ten year olds, and they were just frozen in like, horror. Like you didn't know they were there. No, yeah. and they the look on their face because I like laid into it. You know, yeah, it's like, yeah. hey, check this one out. <laughs> and those kids were around the corner. So the final part of the story is, the fart game can go terribly wrong. Uh, of course, my brother <laughs> was trying to impress a colleague. And he was like, check this one out. <laughs> and, uh, you know, something went wrong at the factory and he had an accident. <laughs> no, no. <Yeah. laughs> so, you know, he leaned into the wrong shoot. Went, went for the bark, got the bite. <laughs> yeah. Grabbed his pants. Oh, no. Yeah. And so, <laughs> senor, poor poor. <laughs> Anyway, so uh, Robert Gibson, uh, you know, I thought we could just tell some silly stories about, uh, you know, being on the road and, and yeah. pranks, you know, pranks and ribs, ribs and pranks. And yeah, uh, yeah I was doing children's theater. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and anyway, so we hope that uh, you don't mind a little uh, bathroom humor, folks. We'll try Toilet to get back humor. to that. Hey, yeah. Vince McMahon made his living off it. So yeah. we can, I can we say can do this, a couple of seconds. I remember one time when we clued back into wrestling. Yeah. And I remember oh watching an episode where yeah. literally I thought, you know, wrestling is all fucked up because it's piss, puke, and pussy. That's right. <laughs> and on that episode where I did, they didn't get me back. Yeah, that's right. And uh, there was lots of hot chicks, less wrestling. And I was like, okay, I like Stacy, you know, in her long legs. And yeah, like, yeah, oh yeah. my God, that's worth watching. But there was another guy whose gimmick was puking. Yeah, that's right. And I guess draws. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so, and, and sadly, I don't know he, I don't know if he was a road warrior at this point, but like, you know, no thank you. Yeah. You know, um, anyway, and then finally, I, I, I certainly don't... Uh, Forgive me for being crass. You know, at the yeah. time I was just cracking jokes. Me and Corey were Corey and I were watching wrestling, and so I yeah, complained yeah. to him. You know, in a in a, a non family friendly way, like this show's all piss puke and pussy. <laughs> um, anyway, so the worst part, yeah, unforgivable. 
Aaron Anderson was uh, on air talent as uh, a senior official or executive kind of guy. And somebody, you know. Stone Cold Steve Austin. uh, I I think. I I could be getting that wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was Stone Cold. Yeah. Yeah. Has a dispute with him because at this point, Aaron Anderson is a stooge and he's, you know, he's a heel administrator or whatever. And Stone Cold's a bad guy rebel. Anyway, I'll get to the point. Arn has a nice white shirt, and they pee on him. That's you know off yeah, camera. They, they knock him down, and then you see, yeah, you see the stream. You don't, yeah. You know, like, but I mean, like this is like me after taking two vitamins. It's like yeah, yeah, toxic yeah, yeah, yeah. green, yeah, yellow, neon, neon green, bright yeah. green. Yeah. yeah, like, and I'm just you know was not. You can't piss on my Arn Anderson. Yeah, you know? exactly. So we didn't. I, I was not really in tune with what the WWE was yeah. delivering at the time. That's right. Yeah, it was before they hit the PG era and kind right. of cleaned things up there. So forgive me. I'm okay with the p- the pussy, you know, the puke. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And then with the piss, forget it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, folks, I just uh, wanted to have a few laughs here in the show. Oh! Wait a minute! Gosh, oh, so You can call yourself a nature boy all you want, but the truth of the matter is, Stone Cold Steve Austin has been drinking beer all day. Uh-oh. And right now, nature, I'll be damned if nature ain't calling right now. No, wait a minute. You know, Ricky, you always say, in order to be the man, you gotta beat the man. Well, I always say, it's better to be pissed off than pissed on. And that's the bottom line, cause Stone Cold said so. And, uh, and send us in your fan letters because we really had a good time reading Jeff's uh, letter last week where I got to riff and, and, and dig Corey for his hijinks <laughs> and his stories. So that's, that's a, you know, as much what we're going for here and let you know a little bit about us farting in schools. <laughs> me, me. <laughs> My farts in schools weren't for humor. <laughs> yeah. I went on to marry that lady. <laughs> Common law wife for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was, you know, I won her over with that. <laughs> Charming. That's right. Oh, the romance. So a lot of guys are getting a second chance, a second look, you know, as we delve into it. And here's another chance to say, boy, did I have it wrong on Dennis Condry. And, you know, he's the captain yeah, of this right. match. Yeah. He's the pro, the vet, and he's running the show. Yeah. Uh, and, and like, I never really would have thought about it in those, why would I, in those terms at the time. But uh, listening to Jim Cornette talk. And so I went and, you know, looked into the stats to see, you know, how old is everybody here? And yeah. indeed, Dennis Condry is the eldest. Yeah. Now, Paul Ellering, actually, he was only one year older than lover boy Dennis Condry. So indeed, Condry is the eldest even right. if Paul Ellering kind of he gives off a vibe, I always thought he was like a, the elder statesman, but not yeah. really. Yeah, I, I, yeah, hard to say for sure. But Condry definitely looked older than the other wrestlers. Okay, so Condry's got these uh, silvery beefcake cuffs on, you know, the the uh, forearm sleeves. Right. right yeah, uh, that's yeah. right. And he's got full length. He's got uh, red kerchiefs tied on and uh, some black trunks. Bobby Eaton's got these shiny, sort of satiny-looking white tights. 
And, of course, they have the gold, and they've got Big Boss Man as well. That's right. Now, uh, I really hate the fact that uh, we don't get our music because one of my favorites uh, entrances is the Midnight Express. That's such a cool tune. The Chase. Yeah. Okay. And uh, we've complained so many times. We're a broken record. So moving on. All the music in this episode seemed to be the wrong music, even though it's not a WWE file, so I don't understand why it's all edited up. Disgraceful. The Road Warriors do not have the shoulder pads yet, but they've got lots of spikes. they got their own cuffs on, but they're leather. And uh, they come off because otherwise somebody would be getting, you know, punctured, (laughs) pierced, yeah, dead, Iron Maidened. And they have the vests on as well. Animal's got green face paint on and Hawk has his usual two-piece, a black kind of swirl and a red kind of triangle on the other side. Paul Ellering is not bleach blonde. He's got a sleeveless t-shirt. He's got his own fine set of arms. He's he's a bodybuilder and a wrestler. Of course, the heels make way when they... Faces make their entrance. They uh, clear the ring, and uh, the road warriors get to enjoy the adoration of the crowd. To uh, I'm sure something that sounded really awesome, but we don't get to hear it. Whatever <laughs> it was, I hope it was still. Um, I'm 99 sure it was. It was yeah, probably still Iron, Iron Man. Man. Yeah, right. Now you get to hear a lot of what Paul, uh, not Paul, but Jim Cornette has to say to his men because of the uh, live mics on the cameras. That's right. Yes. So. He was on commentary all night. He's, he may as well still be on commentary because you get to hear him talking. It's a yeah. part of the match. It's a completely, it's it's like Bobby Heenan worthy of, you know, shouting and what to do and all these That's instructions. Right. It's just, they keep going back to him. So it's pretty good. First thing he's saying is like, don't worry about that, Paul Ettering. I'll take care of him. And you're like, yeah, right. You will. Yeah. He outweighs you by like 50 pounds or something. <laughs> But Cornette's playing up really well that he's totally afraid of Animal. That's right. And good old Captain Dennis Condry starts the match. So we get a collar and elbow lockup between Road Warrior Animal and Dennis Condry. He quickly puts Animal in a side headlock, but this will usually result in a push-off, giving us our first rope run. Dennis Condry runs into a brick wall by the name of Animal. Splat, he goes down, but he goes down so well, he winds up in Tommy Young. Like, he kind of, like, flattens so much so that Tommy Young actually has to jump up to Brett's rope because Dennis Condry (laughs) takes a spill, like, in a backward somersault, and Tommy gets caught up in the tumble and, like, has to be really... He's pretty agile. So next thing you know, Tommy's sitting on the the ropes as Dennis Condry's, like, on his ass, (laughs) you know, looking back at Animal, just kind of like, what the hell happened there? Dennis Country gets back up and decides to, uh, the, the pop is just immense. The crowd is really loud. And now that we can hear it, as opposed to like them piping in their elevator music, it sounds amazing. Dennis Condry runs the ropes without being whipped. Animal drops down, so Dennis goes over. Dennis keeps running. Animal hops up. Dennis goes under. When Dennis Condry shows up next time, he gets a big reverse elbow, splat. He hits the mat and rolls outside of the ring because, like, when Animal hits you with an elbow, it's a finisher. Team Huddle. The Midnight Express is outside, and Jim Cornette is, you know, he's already he's already gone to 10, but he's able to go to 11, so don't worry. <laughs> and uh, Dennis Condry gets back into the ring and complains to the ref. Uh, I'm not sure what his legitimate beef is at That's this right. point, but, uh, you know, he's slowing the pace down, and he's, like, the ring general here because Animal is, you know, still relatively green compared to Condry. Uh, Not as green as they were. Anyway, so another collar and elbow. This time, Animal puts a side headlock on Dennis Condry, who, after, you know, feeling the pressure and getting his head squeezed for a while, manages to push off Animal. 
and uh oh, it's another wall. <laughs> Splat! Dennis Condry <laughs> is down. And now Animal decides that uh, it's kind of a reverse of the earlier bit where Animal decides without provocation to run the ropes. And so Dennis Condry goes down, Animal jumps over him. And then Dennis Condry jumps up expecting Animal to do the underneath. Yeah, yeah. Instead, Animal drop kicks him. Dennis Condry splat <laughs> rolls out of the ring again. Yeah. Big surprise. Jim Cornette's just furious, like, you know, a big, the world champions here can't seem to get any kind of uh, control in the match. It's right. still early going, but. Yeah. Dennis Condry heads to the dressing room. He's like, forget it. <laughs> Jim Cornette's just like waving his arm in his tennis racket. And he's just he's so exasperated. And then I love it because Dennis Condry, whatever it is that Jim Cornette is saying to Dennis Condry, Dennis Condry turns to him and puts out his arm and goes, how? <laughs> it's it's yeah, perfect. Yeah, it's so yeah. great. So. Hawk's back in the ring. Dennis Condry gets in there and he's stalling because nothing's going his way. He can't get any action. He's talking to the ref. He's, uh, you know, hiding in the corner, whatever tactics. He's, he's really a, a master. Bobby is in the corner, you know, as that's, he'll talk to him as well, you know. That's right. And uh, whispering to each other. So uh, now Dennis is doing a lot of kind of circling Hawk, you know, kind of like, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. 360-ish movement, right? right? Like not going right at him, but sidestepping. But he yeah. gets too close to Animal. So <laughs> yeah, Animal's able right. to get in that's and grab right. him because Dennis Condry's got that long hair. Yeah. So he gets a little handful of Dennis Condry. He gives him a yank, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, it, it, he, you know, he's managed to, doesn't manage to finish him, just kind of, <laughs> just little scary times for Dennis. So we uh, get back into a collar and elbow. Dennis Condry uses an eye rake, and now we go to uh, a spot from the Mid-South, from uh, Jerry Lawler matches, where Dennis Condry puts a pile driver on oh, Hawk. Oh, yes, yeah. And pulls then he celebrates. Out, pulls it out early, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. strutting. He's strutting, celebrating, does a little dance, comes over to Bobby Eaton, <laughs> high 10, and they're just like, woo Meanwhile, Hawk pulls a famous no-sell on the pile yeah, driver. Yeah. This would get the biggest reaction when Jerry, the King Lawler, their hero, pile-drived uh, uh, Hawk yeah. in, in uh, Memphis, and he no-sold at the crowd. Yeah. Like, And then Jerry played so scared, he's like, what? How am I, like, <laughs> I going to beat him? <laughs> yeah, it's a classic moment, like, yeah, to no-sell somebody's finisher. That's pretty yeah. generous of Jerry, but, yeah. you know, the Road Warriors were something yeah. special. Hawk had the special traps. Yeah. So he could absorb that pile driver shock. So next thing you know, Bobby's patting Dennis on the shoulder and yeah. Dennis just thinks he's happy, but yeah, yeah, Bobby yeah. drops to the floor because, <laughs> uh-oh, there's... part of it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because Hawk's like closing in on Bobby Eaton. Bobby Eaton spins around expecting Hawk to be unconscious and instead, bam, headbutt. Dennis Condry is out of the ring. And the third time, Cornette is just screaming at them. And, you know, all the Midnight Express are outside. They don't know how they're going to defend their world championships. We go to a, a, our second TV ad. There was one already. Now, we hadn't actually seen Bobby tag in, right? Yeah, like, he yeah, hasn't been right. in. It's all been Dennis Condry running yeah, the show. Yeah. Which was, well, I was calling him Captain Dennis. Yeah. So now we get back in, and Bobby's in the match, and he's hurt. <laughs> but I mean, I guess you know. Uh, missed a little bit. Yeah, we missed a little he bit, and out a chunk. he is wrestling the Road Wars after all. So anyway, somebody talks about Bobby's taking a deep breath. He looks like he's been in there ten minutes. That's right. <laughs> Dennis Condry slick with sweat because he has been doing the work so far. Bobby gets a side headlock onto Hawk. Hawk pushes him off, and Bobby goes. He drops down. Bobby goes over Hawk, and then he holds on to the ropes. 
and then bails because you know if he had uh, kept going, if yeah. he, you know he was going to get clobbered by maybe a shoulder tackle or something like that. So Fist, anything. He's looking to the crowd. He's pointing to his brains. That's right. And he's actually outside now. He's yeah, on the yeah, floor. Yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah. ah, look how smart I am. Hey, 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 hawk didn't get me. <laughs> but animals right there. That's right. Catches beautiful Bobby. Gorilla presses him yeah. and then throws him back into the ring over the top rope. Yeah, yeah. Of course, you know he needs a little help because yeah, I mean, yeah. got to tip him over the rope a little. Yeah, bit. it's one thing. I mean, like it's just he's, he exactly. He's at the tip of his extension. He's still not quite there. over. Yeah. So, but if Bobby grabs and you know, he can, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so Bobby's back in the ring, but not for long. <laughs> Hawk boots him savagely, knocks him back to the floor, and then just as he staggers to his feet. Animal gives him a savage running clothesline that clobbers him. <laughs> it looks just like the title change that's going to happen, yeah, you know, in a year right. and a half, yeah, where yeah, yeah. the finish yeah. is a, a dazed Bobby Eaton gets closed by an animal, and that's yeah. all it needs. It's a that's finisher. Right. Yeah. And this is out on the concrete. Uh, and, he, and then Bobby eats another boot. <laughs> Captain Dennis comes to the rescue. Tommy Young is counting the team out, but Bobby gets back into the ring, and he's facing off against Hawk. And they call it an arm bar, but to me, it looks like a reversed wrist lock. You know, when one guy's holding the phone, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, that's, that's, sure. that's yeah. you know, arm bar, I think, is like your totally, arm is straightened. Yeah, 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 no. Okay, so he's got Overhead this wrist lock kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah kind of a wrist lock behind the uh, over the shoulder wrist lock. And it, and it ends up being a test of strength, you know, but Hawk is obviously going to overpower either one of the Midnight yeah. Express. And sometimes both. Exactly both. They both get in there, and it's a great, you know, it's a. The physique shot, like yeah. Hawk's physique is so yeah. awesome. And uh, he's got <laughs> one midnight on each arm. He just throws <laughs> them both back and their timing is so beautiful. They both hit the mat, splam, but they're both immediately back on their feet. Hawk is already running at them, double clothesline. Just wow. the beautiful timing, total grace. Fucking looks awesome. The midnights are both flattened by a double clothesline from Hawk. So great. <laughs> The crowd is just going crazy. This match, not quite, but a little bit, reminds me a little bit of the 87 Starcade Road Warriors versus Arnon Tully, where it's just like, Arnon Tully, you're like, okay, uh, so we're going to get beat up for eight minutes. You know, well, like. <laughs> I look forward to covering that. It's hopeless. Kim Cornette just does, you know, he's practically in tears. But we get Bobby up into a press slam. Nice. Bobby goes up for the military press. And then Hawk climbs up to his second rope, right, yeah, Brett's yeah, rope, for what I was, I've sometimes called his one man's doom, his one yeah, man yeah, doomsday. Yeah. He has big hook clothesline off the second yeah. rope, sometimes um, off the top. Right. If animal, you know, because everybody knows, animal will take a guy, hoist him up onto his shoulders. Hawk will climb up to the top rope and deliver a flying clothesline for the doomsday device. And uh, this is only Hawk on his own on Brett's rope, but um, it's pretty it's it's, it's yeah. a finisher it's a one-man finisher yeah, you be. don't want to get hit with it <laughs> no. not in 1986 and he doesn't um so hawk sells really injured for missing his one-man yeah, doomsday probably a little too injured for <laughs> yeah <laughs> like how was how was the impact any different than if you had hit him <laughs> <laughs> we do not ask that question okay, Corey right, Draper. Right, 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 we do right. not ask <laughs> there are rules mr <laughs> draper we got some rules around here rules we got some rules around here. <laughs> that would be from The Lost Boys, one of our favorite movies. We got some rules around here. 
Quaker Oats guy, Wilfred Bramley. So Hawk rolls out of the ring, and finally now the Midnight Express can use some of the tactics that get them the gold and keep them the gold, mainly Jim Cornette's loaded racket. That's so right. uh, Hawk takes the first of quite a few racket shots yeah, for the night. He gets away, they get away with several ones, and a couple times I think the ref sees them. But. <laughs> and then Dennis Condry is escorting back Hawk into the ring, but gives him a little eye rake before he throws him in there for Bobby to work over <laughs> some more. You don't have too many muscles on your eyes. And the Midnights go to work. Hawk is going to take a beating while they, you know, start to work the hot tag because that's what you got to do. Of course. They're, you know, they're punching him in the throat and kicking him, double teaming him. Dennis Condry lands a pretty nice clothesline. Uh, lover boy, he, you know, I think he's awesome. He gets a two count out yeah. of it. They're able to hurt Hawk. The invincible juggernaut is actually taking damage. At one point, Dennis Condry grabs Hawk by the back of his neck and just runs him into Bobby Eaton's knee, who's waiting in the corner. And then they tag Bobby in. So the cheating is working, the eye rakes, the, the choking. And there's an, ones. Yeah, and there's another tennis shot, which isn't even near the finish. That's right. Just the referee gets distracted and another Jim Cornette smashes Hawk. Hawk is hurt. And it's wonderful because Jim Cornette, you can hear him, I didn't do nothing, shut up! He's, he's talking to the crowds. He's really fun That's to right. watch. Like he's, I think you actually maybe hear somebody in the crowd yell at the ref, like, hey, ref, he hit him with the dragon. <laughs> yeah, it's great. So uh, they're working the hot tag. Uh, Bobby tries to Irish whip Hawk, but we get a reversal and a shoulder block from Hawk, who's super damaged, including he's really clutching his stomach and ribs, which have taken two shots so far. But he does manage to leap over to Animal, who comes in and drop kicks each of the Midnight Express. Uh-huh. They both take, because they're, they're, now that Animal's in, my partner needs help. So Dennis comes in to back up Bobby, but he eats the second drop kick. And then Irish Whip Bobby eats a beautiful power slam, flying shoulder block, Looks like the belts are going to change hands. That's right. Animal covers for the one and the two and a beautiful camera work. You don't even know he's there. The boot to the head of Animal. So Dennis Condry saves the title. Hawks in. All four men are in the ring. Animal press slams. Beautiful Bobby <laughs> Eaton. He's up. And then Jim Cornette is at enough. He's writing plain daylight. He yeah, comes right. in swinging his racket and starts hitting. <laughs> I, I'm not even sure who he hits, but he calls it the DQ. Yeah, that's right. Because uh, he just knows that, that the, the Midnights are going to lose the belt if he, if he doesn't take the ultimate step. That's right. So, more beatings of the uh, of our heroes and Condry <laughs> and Eaton. And then, we get a little chase. Yeah, that's right. Where Jim Cornette is like, it seems like there's almost six sides of the ring because of the chase <laughs> until he's on one side. And once again, fabulous camera work. Big Bubba is like kind of like going to keep Jim Cornette safe from Hawk that's who's right. pursuing. Yes. So Jim Cornette gets past Big Bubba and he thinks, ha ha, I'm safe. So Ellering has to stop chasing because he yeah, to, Ellering. He's, yeah he, can't, he, can't, he can't pursue any further. Otherwise, he's going to run into Big Bubba. Yeah. But who's just off camera? Oh, it's so beautiful. Baby doll. Oh. And just pops him. Superman punch. <laughs> Wonderful. And Jim Cornette sells it so well because his earlier promo was, promo was about Baby Doll. That's right. Who's really not associated with the Road Warriors, but here she is. Yeah, I think she has a ma- they have a match coming up in the bash where they're right. going to tag up. Crowd's just going crazy. It's it's so great because, like you said, it's from off camera. You don't see it, and because of the way the angle's taken, like it, it does. It couldn't look like it could have landed any harder. <laughs> and, and Cornette's like such a great bump on the floor from getting this punch. He just yeah. looks like he's destroyed. Yeah, uh, there's a great promo after. But any further thoughts about this awesome action in the ring? No, you know, I think it was. Um, I think it was a little bit more enjoyable than their Crockett Cup match. 
you know, it had had more heat. Lost in yeah. the shuffle. Yeah, the crap match was fine. Like it was definitely an enjoyable match, but it was it was it was a piss off because they were fighting each other in the quarterfinals, which was like, why the hell are the number one and two seeds fighting in the, you know, or whatever? The and I one believe and that I complained bitterly about the lack of Road Warriors Rock and Roll Express. Yeah. This, by the way, is a uh, opportunity for us to plug Patreon because I think we covered the Crockett Cup on Patreon. Yeah, we have the Crockett Cup file, uh, and we also have we have an awesome Rock and Roll Express. Like our our sneak attack episode has the some great NWA content as far as a Rock and Roll Express Horseman match that involves the Midnight Express and also the vaunted heel Road Warrior. Uh, you know, versus Midnight Babyface Midnight Express yeah. match. So those those are all they're all out there waiting for you. So come on down, <laughs> Patreon.com. Um, so yeah, fantastic. So the promo afterwards, one of these great ones where the wrestlers are still breathing heavy, they're raging bulls snorting, nostrils yeah. flaring, covered in sweat, and baby dolls there too. Uh, and and what's awesome is you know they capture the spirit of it. They they they're saying like Koloffs. Horseman Express. It doesn't matter. We're to fight, and it's just like, yeah, they they got heat with all of these guys. That's right, fucking awesome. That's right. (laughs) And then Hawk's like, nice shot, baby doll. That's right. As he walks off, yeah. Yeah. And she talks for a bit. They kind of lose steam. Yeah, they lose a little steam, but not terribly. Like she actually does well. She accounts well for herself. It was actually would have helped her if they didn't leave because then the the nice shot baby doll was sort of the you know the go home line. (laughs) Yeah. So. Wow. I mean, as far as this, this being your weekly program yeah, on TV, what? Just like, this yeah. is pay-per-view quality. Uh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. So July 12th, World yeah. Championship Wrestling. Uh, and also, like Corey said, these unique shots of the um, the outdoor lighting fading. Just kind of magical, like dusk is settling. Yeah, it's something it, it wild. It gives you a little bit of a reminder of something like a WrestleMania 3, let's say, where you kind of can see, because the, the Silverdome lets the light in, so you have the daylight, the, the beginning of the show, it's it's light out, right. and then throughout the show it gets darker and darker and darker until yeah. like the last five matches or whatever, you know, darkness. I just, I cannot think of, this is unique because I cannot think of another indoor place that That's had, right, yeah. you know, such an outdoor feel. Yeah, the Silverdome's technically a an indoor venue, it can be an indoor but venue. But they pull but, that roof back. Yeah, that's, yeah something so I know the roof there, so... Yeah, this these is, were this windows. Is, this is just windows. Yeah. yeah, yeah, really neat. Yeah, so the, in the ep- the episode's not over, but uh, we'll 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 touch on a few more things here. But this was sort of the the big moment of the, of the card, and this is what kind of caught my attention when I was like, I was like, they're gonna wrestle earlier in the car earlier in the show when they say, you know, coming up later, you know, yeah. Road Warriors versus Men Express. I was like, what? <laughs> so I guess I I'm probably not saying anything new, but. I didn't realize that Dennis Condry was such a veteran, professional, reliable performer. When we came along, I was like, what's so great about him? You know? Yeah, again, it's magazines. It's hard for him or an Ole Anderson or some of these guys to come across very well in the magazines because they kind of just look like somebody's dad. Yeah. They kind of got a beard gut and like, you know, they don't have the, the night impressive physique that a 12 or 11 or 14 year old boy is going to be like, that's an athlete. Yeah. Oh, that guy, he can't do anything. You don't realize what a good performer they are. Mm. And to be honest, before I got to see some of the older stuff, I'm pretty sure I saw the 1988 sort of Paul E. Dangerously came back with Dennis Condry and uh, crap, I'm, blanking on the other guy they came oh. back with the original midnight express uh, you know feud yeah. against the midnight express so and now you're even two years later now dennis condry looks even more you know <laughs> right 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 now what was Older. that guy's name because i he, as i was you know researching shoot interviews 
There yeah. was another guy, and I'm like, and who's that? And I'm now you. That's right, Randy Rose or something like that, or yeah. Let's see if we can find. I don't. But I can say this: part of the reason I wasn't crazy about Dennis Condry was like I was a big Fabulous Ones fan. So Stan yeah. Lane in the AWA with his exciting matches with the the Road Warriors, especially when they would let him land karate kicks and they would sell. Yeah. Stan Lane, I'm like, wow, this guy can karate kick the Road Warriors. Yeah, so yeah. when he showed up in the Midnight Express, I was like, ah, that's my guy. Yeah. So the guy with the mustache, Randy Rose, was the other was the other guy, sort of like um, Dennis Condry and Randy Rose, Southeast Championship Wrestling, 1981. And All then right. They basically eventually merged into you know, and then of course the more famous versions are the when it's like Jim Cornette with Dennis and with Bobby, and then eventually Bobby and Stan. And basically, Dennis famously went home after because he, he he didn't want to didn't want to do the Skywalker matches, <laughs> and they were setting them up to do him again. And he was like, "That's it, I'm going home." <laughs> well, and the, I, pay, and the payoffs. Well, I heard, I did a little digging, and there also is a version that they were all going to go to the WWF. Okay. And that Vince said they uh, were making good money. They they the communication was to McMahon, "We make good money here. No, thank you." They right. said. Which little did they realize they were they were master bargaining. Yeah, that's negotiation, right? Because they were they were just like, no, not interested. The best negotiation you can do. <laughs> so right. Vince said, "I'll double it," and Dennis is like, "We'll be there tomorrow." And like, so he flies up to Vince, talks to him. Yeah. Then Bobby and Jimmy didn't want to go. Yeah. They had families and houses and wanted to stay in the Carolinas. That's right. And a miscommunication happened between the team yeah. where like somehow Dennis got hung out to dry yeah. and looked like the guy you know, it, it, because there was no it was a package like deal he, he blew his word you know kind of thing yeah they, yeah exactly but yeah. you know I didn't I haven't got all sides of the story well I think one thing immediately when I think of that is that Jim Cornette is petrified of flying he can't fly oh so he can't do the WWE he didn't want to do the WWF schedule if, if at all possible because he did not want to be like jumping on a plane every other day or whatever you know he like this where he was because he could drive. He could drive to all those things. They would famously, he would drive, like everyone else would fly to places and he would be driving. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, these crazy long drives. Uh, let's hope that we get to the point where I can tell my airplane story where I came across the WWF procession of wrestlers. I was about 19 or 20. Yeah. So let's hope that we get there. But <laughs> That's right. yeah, it was, it was a crazy time. Flair and uh, was, you know, among them. I, anyway. Right on. Okay, let's uh, take a peek at what we've got left. There's one more feature match coming up, but it's got a fa- it's got that famous setup for uh, how they like to do 80s TV shows. We're running out of time. <laughs> so you can't believe who's coming down, but uh, you realize when you look at the file, you're like, oh, wait a minute, this match isn't, you're not going to see the whole thing. So but we'll get so, there. So frustrating. Back on World Championship Wrestling, Jim Cornette co-host. I have nothing to say. You can explain this. You better not give me that microphone. You better not say a word because I'm going to talk straight to Baby Doll because she just proved my point. Look at this tape right here. I'm running away from Paul Ellering, my man Bubba, trying to catch up to him. He's got Ellering. He's going to make sure Ellering don't do me any harm right there. He's got him blocked off. When look, the back jumper, the backstabber, the low-class, trashy, stinking, slimy scuzz, Baby Doll, that you are. You proved my point all along. You come in from behind, you hit me over the head with a brick. Look at the size of this ice pack. Let me tell you something right now, baby doll. The road warriors on the rock and roll and Dusty and Magnum, I don't care if you get King Kong and Godzilla to help you out because now not only am I going to prove my point that no woman can beat a man except by jumping him from behind, not only am I going to beat your brains out, but now I'm coming after revenge and you better believe I'm going to get it, you stinking scuzzbag. 
So yeah, we just heard Cornette. That's just awesome. He's just turned up like that's full full fire. He's not holding anything back. You hit me with a brick from behind. <laughs> look, look at the size of this ass brick. <laughs> Love it. It's so good. Yeah, so he's great. good. So yeah, they 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 wrap up this show with a bunkhouse match, six man tag, meaning that it's kind of come as you are, anything goes. So the wrestlers are dressed up in a variety of little outfits that aren't the wrestling gear, and what we have is. American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, and the Rock and Roll Express taking on three of the four horsemen, Ric Flair, Arn, and Ole Anderson. Tully's in no shape, I That's think, right. after that Tully, Wahoo match. Tully's had enough for the night. So, yeah, it's you only get three minutes airs, and then they're going to you know they're gonna send you to the credits. And this, is, this happened a lot at UWF. I'm sure places like Memphis and Florida, like it was very common to kind of put out after – Watching an hour of squash matches, then they put out like this, you know, a big match, but there's only two minutes left in the broadcast, so you know you're not gonna, you know, see much of it. But it's a what we do see is like this wild brawl. It starts before people can even really get in the ring, and Ric Flair for some reason is wearing like jeans and a pink T-shirt. I said he looked like somebody, you know, the the socials from the Outsiders. Yeah, or something well, like that. I wouldn't call it. I mean, a T-shirt technically, but it's oh, it's more, a golf shirt or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. It's, that's right. More like a polo shirt. It's got you know yeah. the collar. And yeah, stuff like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. T-shirt sounds a bit more Dusty Rhodes. That's style. right. Yeah. So they're they just basically the good guys rule rule the roost for quite a while. Ricky Morton is sporting his face mask to protect his nose, his uh, his injured face still. And there's an interesting spot. I think we watch it twice. I think that it's a bit of an accident. So one of the horsemen gets knocked down and actually falls on like sort of let's say Ricky Morton's ankle from behind. And Ricky Morton really sells it, but I, I'm not sure that it was part of the match. I think it was he literally, like, legitimately, like, ouch, got hurt. Yeah. Well, he didn't see it coming. They were back to back. And yeah, yeah, that's right. Arneson takes a bump and kind of lands on his ankle or Achilles heel or something. Yeah. And then it takes, you know, for the next 90 seconds, Ricky's got to yeah, fight got, from the match. Yeah, he's baby dolls over there talking to him. And yeah. So eventually, of course, things like the, the face mask is a weapon, but the boots. <laughs> the, the Rock and Roll Express each have one of their cowboy boots off and everybody's everybody's eating a cowboy boot. You get a boot. You get a boot. You get a boot. Yeah, the camera doesn't watch it Dusty as much. Yeah, uh, except except for one point it, where it, Rip Flair tries to run. Yeah, that's right. It's, <laughs> Dusty has to chase him down in the crowd kind of where the spotlight isn't so you can barely see them but he ends up picking Flair up over his shoulder like a potato sack. Carries him back, legs kicking. Yep. And it, dumps it, him back in the and ring. We get, and I think this is maybe venue specific uh, but the barricade that's holding the fans back is not a wall. It is basically a horizontal railing system that doesn't have like, you know, any vertical planks. It's kind of just like a top and a bottom and then attached. But the interesting thing is that the entrance point, it's not completely clear. It's still connected at the bottom. So the wrestlers have to take us, you know, like a, I don't know, a half a foot step, let's say, over top yeah. of this thing. You could trip. <laughs> yeah. And I, I noticed that too. Uh, I guess we're getting old. We're like, mm, I got to look safe, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I've seen guys trip on that thing in other other wrestling shows and right. stuff like that. And I think someone even got hurt on one of those. But so that's kind of how they go off the air. I'm looking at the. I'm, I'm reading up the results though, which is which surprises me is that this match ends when Rick Morton pins Ric Flair. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, well, when I the think... belts on the line, Flair's shoulders are down. <laughs> but remember, this is the era where apparently in some city off camera yeah ricky morton does take the belt and he gets to take it to the dressing room that's right yeah and you know he has it long enough to pose with after the match and you know this was the whole alleged situation where you know the ronnie garvin run 
that was puzzling to most people was kind of because Flair needed regular interruptions in his title reigns for his five to six, seven, eight year as main heel. Right. And I wondered about Ronnie Garvin. Now it makes more sense now that I've watched a lot more of this wrestling. I see, oh, he yeah. didn't come out of nowhere. Garvin was, you know. Chasing him for a year and a half before sure. it happened. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so it could have been three nights from now. That in a singles match, yes, right. Ricky Morton beats Ric Flair with a world heavyweight title, but because of something else, it it, yeah. it, did, it didn't count. Classic dusty finish. Yeah. But uh, Google that and you'll get Ricky Morton's take. You'll also get his huge, the, the photo that he, you know, took. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And yeah. then he the had- po- The posing with yeah. the photo, yeah. And, posing and with the com- title. compelling. Absolutely. So they hit the credits and they roll, and that's going to bring a close to- I mean, of all those guys, right? The 14 of the yeah, best right. wrestlers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All 14 of you are the second greatest wrestler in the world. <laughs> that's what they call wrestler math. Yeah. <laughs> but Ricky was the one, apparently, that was going to have a little solo run. But uh, yeah. And then Robert Gibson, another thing he was saying, that uh, they brought him back. I think he said, uh, was it maybe Russo brought Robert Gibson in once somewhere? Okay, yeah. And then, but then he said, "Yeah, but he didn't like tag teams." And so the guy's like, "What? So what did he do with you?" He said, "Exactly, nothing." You know? <laughs> guy brought me in. Vince Russo brings me in and says, "I don't like tag teams." And Robert Gibson did nothing. And this is like a tiny little run. Do you think that's like when Russo was in WCW, like uh, late nineties? Must have been. Okay, yeah. Because it was a you know a wet fart of a run, and that uh, <laughs> Robert Gibson. Yeah, well, he brought me in, but he didn't want tag teams. Yes, okay. At first, I thought he said he didn't like Texans, oh, and yeah. I'm like, oh, is he? But then I then I realized he didn't like tag teams. Oh, okay. I guess, and then you think about it, about, there were, I guess not. I suppose the NWO stuff there weren't. You know, Nash and Hall were so cool because they had dropped the gimmick. That was what part of what made the whole Wolfpack, or not before Wolfpack, the Outsiders so cool. Was like, okay, you won't let us be Diesel and Razor (laughs) Ramon. You know, those of us who knew Scott Hall as Scott Hall were like, that works. Yeah, Yeah. that's That's okay with us. Yeah, yeah. And those of us who knew. The Diamond Stud, or well, yes, right. Oz. Yep. <laughs> I remember. Yep. I remember seeing the match, that silly mask that yes. uh, Kevin Nash wore in one of his early, you know, yeah, his debut thing. They brought him out with this big show show thing of you know he's got that the Wizard of Oz kind of monkey, mask. and you know, uh, did he uh, have the curly boots like the Shiki baby? He, may, he almost he might have. Well, I guess now we know why that gimmick didn't uh, was was cursed. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't going to work. It didn't make any sense. Like people said like Oz is this little guy behind a curtain. He's not this 7-foot tall monster. Like how are you how are you Oz? Like Yikes. It was one of those forced Ted Turner had the uh, rights to play, you know, for the movie Wizard of Oz, so it was like, "Hey, can we have an, you know, Oz connection or whatever, right?" So Well, so that's where we're at with the Great American Bash 1986. We're uh, going to come back after a quick little break. Very short wrap-up. We'll see you in a second. Okay, so just uh, we're getting ready to take this home, but quickly, just, you know, and I I think we're only here because of, uh, you know, what we talked about earlier in the show, but I I do think that if we're going to get a good chuckle out of, uh, let's call it toilet humor, that uh, I recall a very funny story that Jeff made made me laugh for years. So we'll uh, we'll let him share with you that... uh, has brought a lot of laughs to me. Well, this one is for uh, one of the funniest guys I ever met, Matt Kippen. He liked this story, and I think he's got his own 
podcast. And so it's probably entertaining because uh, I know that Matt is a very, very funny guy. So uh, he, he seemed to enjoy this one, even though he was a sophisticated guy. And yeah, yeah. I don't want to, you know, oh, I'm already, I already blew it. Hey, here we go. <laughs> I was in Mexico and, you know, you're warned not to drink the water down there because it can mess up your insides and, you know, Montezuma's revenge. You, you can suddenly, you know, find yourself with, you know, some bad diarrhea or whatever. And so we were telling some traveling stories and a guy who had the, he kind of had an Irish accent and he was talking about, you know, his embarrassing moment. Like I, I, I fed my brother to the wolves earlier with his filling his, <laughs> soiling his shorts. So this particular guy was talking about driving through Mexico the roads weren't great there, so he thought he was going to make it until he had a, you know, big pothole. Boom. And then, you know, all hell broke loose inside his trousers. Oh, no. So he pulls over this guy and he says, uh, you know, that uh, he's trying to just, he's got to reset, got to get rid of these clothes, yes, you yes. know. And uh, fortunately, I'll just revert to the fella. He says, well, I'm standing there scraping the shit off me arse. And a campesino comes along in a donkey. And he just, he stops to watch. <laughs> so I says to him, I says, Senor, por favor. <laughs> and there's your story. <laughs> the campesino is just, you know, like a farmer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who just, you know, yeah, <laughs> took in the show of this guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Senor, por favor. <laughs> <laughs> too good yeah i've been any trips i've done to like you know places different places yeah they always warn you maybe get some shots before you go or take some medicine with you don't drink the don't water drink the water and all that stuff yeah you want to want to avoid those kind of problems that's not fun i've heard of people going on vacations and then they spend like half their time in the in their hotel room trying to take care of business speaking of taking care of business Patreon.com is the place to go to take care of that business for us. Patreon.com forward slash legendary wrestling obsession. We ask Where you that will people find pure gold. Pure you gold. will not find no poop. Pant- no, poop. no pooping. It's, no, it's good stuff. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Help out the show. So, yeah, we're, we keep gaining listeners and uh, hopefully Very people. Very exciting. Yeah, hopefully people will uh, check us out there because there's some good content available. And Right into us as that's well. That's another thing. I think that's that's. Equal. That's that's right up there with that. Is that yeah? Just just the more we can get these online comments, the more we can get like actual direct letters and stuff like that. It just you never know what that's going to spin off to. Yeah, I I really had a good time hearing you know the stories I never heard before because why would Corey have told? Yeah, me? Yeah, I would never would have told that hockey story uh, if for Jeff any other hadn't yeah, written in. Exactly. So thanks, Jeff, and thanks. We also Hanzo Hattori, You know, so uh, now that it almost felt like this guy with the Providence stuff was like our third letter writer, but it was on yeah. a forum. So we're still, yeah, that's right. yeah, <laughs> still yeah. looking for Yeah, a- we've had dozens and dozens of comments online, but it's not quite the same because it's usually no. like one sentence or something, right? When yeah. somebody takes the time to write out a couple of paragraphs or something, I think that uh, that connection's there and it kind of brings forth this material. Yeah, that's right. So please more of that because I've I had a great time. Uh, all the stuff that it spurred 
uh, last episode or the episode where we read Jeff's letter. Yeah, and really just love to hear the perspective of like, you know, the NWA fans of my vintage, our vintage, that had access to that stuff in a way that we didn't, right? We're, we were sort of taking it in after the fact, a few years after the fact, reading it in magazines, not living it live the same way uh, that somebody else would have. So I'm sure they're going to have some insights, some funny stories, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, no pressure, but do it, get on it, push send. Okay, that means that next week we're going to look at the rest of the Bash results and try to set ourselves up for that July 25th Great American Bash Show, big big card, uh, headlined by Ric Flair versus Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream. And we'll just keep going with this uh, you know, NWA content, which seems to be quite popular, so we're glad to do it. Indeed. We, we never want to be on the other side of WrestleMania 3. It's just, never! No! <laughs> this is like the golden time of wrestling, you know? It's, there'll be times, there'll be, you know, some really cool periods in wrestling, definitely in the future, but it, it feels like the, it, it's, it's never better than it is right now, kind of feels. Yeah, there's so much going on in these years, 86, 87. I mean, you can argue 88, 89, all those things. But I think generally speaking, for me, because of like when my access kind of peaked, like when I started getting, you know, watching more and more wrestling and watching different wrestling, you know, that's what makes 86 and 87, 88 just so special because this whole new world was opened up to me at a time that wrestling was at, you know, the peak of the peak that it could be. And anyone can argue what they want about the metrics of today and how much money they're bringing in today. But I mean, come on, like, it's not even the same thing. People at the wrestling shows are there for a very different reason. <laughs> they're not there because they really care about who wins and loses, you know, and their excitement and being in the audience is more about like almost like a performance, this weird sort of counter, <laughs> like the, the audience is the show. Yeah, those and, ECW frat boy crowds, you know, wanted to dictate the show, you yeah. know, and they couldn't be controlled. And there was a wild energy to that, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. But uh, yeah, like you say, you know, don't take yourself too seriously, boys. You know, right. you're the audience, you know. Yeah. And it is kind of cool to like be swept up in the idea that you actually care who wins and loses, even though, you know, it's like there's a predetermined outcome and it, you know, you're not always going to get the person you want, but it's, you know, when you actually want somebody to win and care about who wins, it's, it makes it more fun. It just does. Okay. That's going to wrap us up on a little, you know, shorter than normal episode. Not that it's a short episode, but uh, a little shorter than normal. So. We hope you have a good week, and we'll see you next week. Take care. Por favor. (laughs)